Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name is Ray Heron, flying solo this week. I know we said Matt was back and Matt was back last week, but we've had a uh, breakdown of communication this week. Uh, and so, yeah, flying solo this week. Uh, got a bit of an update on the uh, the long-term MTO7. Uh, we're going to bring you a story from Kiwi Rider from the September issue of last year with the uh, the stunning brand new Suzuki Katana. Looking forward to bringing you that story. But first, it is time to take a look at the news. Oh no, that's right, we're um, we're still in level 3 lockdown, and most of the world's still locked down, so um, there's not a lot happening in the news, so yeah, uh, we'll just wrap that up now. So most of last year, in fact this time last year, uh, I put a new set of tyres on my MT-07, my commuter, my daily ride, my trusty steed, and we got a set of Michelin Road 5s, and we ran them for pretty much exactly a year. By the end of the year, they were completely toast. Uh, they were down to the cord on the shoulders, so it was definitely time for a new set of tyres. Uh, that was kind of when I decided, when I worked out for myself, that it's not necessarily what's good for the bike and what everyone sees as a great tyre. You need to get a set of tyres for the type of riding you do. Now, I go over the Wainui Mata Hill every day when I'm commuting, when I'm going into town. I'm not at the moment, obviously, working from home. But uh, when I am commuting, I go over that hill every day. Uh, I mutilated the shoulders of those tyres by throwing the bike into corners. Uh, it's an 80k zone, it's very twisty, and you kind of have to. And, and, and I didn't, I don't feel that I put the tyres under any undue stress. However, it happened, and uh, I got roughly 10,000 k's out of a set of tyres, 10 to 12,000 k's, which people say is, is pretty good. And, and I'm not complaining. But it was time to try out something different. I talked to our mates at motogear.nz. Motogear.co.nz is the website. And uh, you might know them as Derby Accessories. And we got a set of Continentals. I got, to be exact, some Continental Road Attack 3s. They look fantastic too. There's photos up on our social media accounts on the Facebook and on the Instagram. Just search Kiwi Rider Podcast. Uh, they do look the business and I've done probably closing in on 100Ks on them since they were installed. And the bike on brand new tyres combined with the modifications we did to the front suspension the front shocks it feels really really good now if i wind my clock back to this time last year i would belt over the wainui mata hill uh it's an 80k zone and i felt like i was gripping on for for i was hanging on for grim death at 80ks an hour going over the hill nowadays 80 feels like nothing i could do 80 easily i could probably do 100 the bike wants me to go faster and further the interesting thing though when you're used to a set of tyres and the Road 5s were quite worn, they were quite flat on the shoulders, you leaned it into a corner and you get to a point where you feel like the bike isn't going to lean any further. You kind of have to push it to go further. So you lean it into this corner and you get into a nice angle, a nice groove, and it just kind of holds itself there. And then when you're going into an opposite corner, you kind of push, you know, push on the, maybe put some weight on the outside peg, whatever, and you, and, and, and you 
transition into the opposite corner. On brand new tyres though, that was on worn tyres, on brand new tyres, the bike just wants to keep leaning and the bike will lean further than I need it to. And so on the Rotatank 3s, I could feel that the bike had this kind of freedom. It was a nice, gentle lean into the corner. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't like I was falling into a corner. I, I muscled the bike over, purposefully leaned it over. I got to the point where I was leaning enough for the corner, but the bike could lean further and it was freely wanting to which was a little bit disconcerting that is you know it's a standard thing you get used to a bike with you know standard setup and the side and the tires that are on it so that's nothing against the road attack threes if anything it's something it's a point for them but um it was it was just an interesting observation they kind of the, the road attack threes that they, they're not they're not solid they're not hard uh there's an, a nice bit of feedback but it's not an enormous amount of feedback from the road uh, running over cat's eyes it's um it kind of they kind of soak up a lot of the of the force they kind of soak up a lot of the uh, uh, the feeling from running over cat's eyes uh, and they're just a very gentle profile they're not a, an angular profile they're not like you're you're you know you're riding along straight and then you go into a corner and you kind of fall off the point of the tire into a corner they're nothing like that they're a nice rounded profile and they feel really good now much uh, they're kind of the opposite to the michelin road fives now you remember me saying the michelin road fives uh, the rubber was laid in and then the shoulders were kind of laid over top of the harder compound so you had these softer shoulders of the tire with this harder carcass a uh, harder middle and, and harder carcass which kind of helped the uh, structural rigidity of the tire now these uh these continental rotor tank threes they've kind of achieved the same thing but in a different way in that it isn't two different types of tire it isn't two different types of rubber coming together to create this one tire they are one rubber they are they are injection molded or however it is that you make tires in one go but the center of the tire and the carcass of the tire are uh, heated differently to the shoulders of the tire in order to create a softer and a harder compound you'll get you know one one temperature throughout the middle of the tire and then a different temperature throughout the shoulders so you get that softer grippiness on the on the shoulder on the outside and yet that hard wearing up the middle something else that uh, has been brought to my attention was the fact that you know when you get a brand new tire and it's kind of got that that silicony greasy kind of shiny finish well the continentals don't have that now this is a, uh, a, a compound or a, a chemical that is injected into the moulds to get the tyre to come off the moulds nice and cleanly. We uh, Continental don't do that at all, which I thought was very interesting. The other thing that the Continentals don't have is those little tags from the injection process. You, you know, you get little taggy tyre tire taggy bits on a brand new tyre. None of that on the Continentals whatsoever. So uh, all of this means that the Continental is safer to throw into a corner from brand new than the uh, than most other tires. Uh, I was still very ginger for the first 
you know, 50, 100 Ks. Uh, I, I didn't throw it into a roundabout, but um, it's lacking that slippery compound, which is which is a nice reassuring kind of uh, thing to have. So we have the Continental Road Attack 3s on the MT-07 right now. Uh, they're, they're brilliant, they're black, they're round, they do what they're meant to do. Uh, and I have nothing but good things to say about them at this point. That said, I have only done 100 kilometres. I haven't given them a good road test. I'm still uh, making my opinion about them, but so far so good. They feel good. They still do what is expected of them, uh, and we'll report back in the future uh, as we um, as we use these tyres and, and form an opinion, I guess. Other things that I got done on the MT-07, so a couple of weeks ago when we were on level 4 lockdown, I cleaned every single tooth on the rear sprocket, I cleaned every single link of the chain, I removed the K&N air filter, cleaned it, re-oiled it and reinstalled it, uh, and then I cleaned the entire bike twice and then polished it. Like I'm picking that many of you did as well. I, mean, I can't imagine anyone who's been uh, at home for level four lockdown that hasn't been in the shed, the garage, the driveway, working on the bike or the house even, you know, getting all those other little jobs that you, I'll get around to it, those kind of jobs, getting them done. Uh, I'm, that said, I haven't managed to actually clean and organise the garage as much as I would like, but it's a, it's a work in progress, isn't it? It's organised chaos. But uh, today I managed to swing on down to my local bike shop remembering we are supporting local we're trying to uh, spend that money locally and keep the local economy ticking along now that we can in level three and i contactly contactlessly managed to purchase a uh, a oil filter which is brilliant. So I've got my oil filter and I also learnt the beauty of having owned the same model of bike for more than a couple of years. Uh, I have had my MT-07 or had an MT-07 since 2014 uh, is that I've done so many oil for oil changes on these bikes that I managed to cobble together the dregs of the brand new oil bottles and uh, did an oil change and filter change without having to buy any oil. Score! And it, since I've always used the exact same oil on all the oil changes, uh, it was it was seamless, absolutely brilliant. So there's a, uh, it's almost a buy one get one free, or buy buy three get one free because you've got enough oil to do the oil change. So uh, yeah, the MT-07. I can't think of any other jobs to do on that motorcycle apart from. Um, starting to experiment with uh, tyre pressures and I've probably got another 1500 kilometres to go on the bike before we get into the second stage of fork modification testing that uh, Dave Moss suspension guru uh, tasked me with uh, as a bit of a um, refresher. We removed the front forks from the bike and we removed the 150mm spacers in each of the forks. We replaced with 135mm spacers and then we overfilled the oil capacity in each fork by 15 mils. Uh, and then put it all back together. We also used a Belray 15 weight fork oil, which is heavier than, uh, you know, everything says, heavier the, than is probably recommended, uh, but we're experimenting with the front forks. So by shortening the spaces, we removed, we managed to get a little bit of slack at the top end of the suspension travel, 
which you know if you don't have slack you're like the second kid on a trampoline you're gonna get bounced sky high which uh, also makes the back shock work for its money now the back shock's not not flash i mean we all know mt 07s suspension isn't flash this is why they're a, a reasonably cheap and entry-level motorcycle we did all that and we stopped the front forks from bottoming out on anything other than a, what most people would call abuse i mean if i hit the bottom of the driveway uh too hard then it's gonna bottom out so being gentle there but on a standard ride i'm not going to bottom out the front fork which is brilliant and we also adjusted the rear shock so we had a little bit of slack at the top end of the of the travel there as well so we've got the suspension pretty good i mean the rear shock still needs replaced um but once i've done another thousand odd k's then we will take we'll dump the front fork oil and we'll put in a Balray 20 weight. Uh, we'll again, uh, we'll match the, the amount that comes out. So we'll overfill by 15 mil from the book. And we'll do another couple of thousand Ks and see which feels better. But yeah, I mean, that's an update on the MT-07. That's uh, enough prattling on from me. i got to say, though, if you, if you want to know more about suspension, do check out Dave Moss Tuning on Facebook. Also, DaveMossTuning.com is the website. He has a subscription model where you can uh, sign up. Uh, you can get all of his content released direct to you. And you can also hit him up and get his opinion on your suspension from anywhere in the world you and he may be he can do it remotely and basically he can look at your uh, your back tire the tire wear on your tire and go i know what's wrong with your bike he's an absolute legend so do um just google dave moss tuning he's a he's a an absolute ripper and a bloody nice guy too right that's enough prattling on from me shall we dive into the wonderful world of suzuki's brand new katana Old name, new blood. The story from Kiwi Rider 2019, the first volume of the September edition. Words by Peter Elliott. Photos are available at kiwirider.co.nz. Bringing back a classic name is a brave thing to do, and Suzuki's braved one of the most iconic. Meet the young blood Katana. In every lifetime, there are legends and tide marks, names, actions, or music that define an era or time. When I grew up in Christchurch in the 70s, I watched the arrival of Japanese motorcycles. Until then, Triumph, Norton, BSA, and Old Brit Iron, like Matchless, AJS, and Ariel, were the Canterbury bikers' standard fear. But these rice burners, as they were disparagingly and somewhat racistly referred to, quickly made inroads as things like reliability, affordability and the lack of oil leaks, superb finish, bright colours and smaller zappier engines became very desirable. There were more standouts in the Japanese fleet. Suzuki's AC50, the Gaucho, was stylish, pretty, candy-coloured and schoolboy-level affordable if one had a particularly profitable paper round. And they were everywhere. The Linwood High School gates saw the arrival and rapid rise of Suzuki, Yamaha, Kawasaki 250s and 350s. So exciting and fast that you'd have given up your first actual girlfriend for one. Some did. But one mate had a parent who ran a motorcycle importer. And that's when I first knew real jealousy. 
My old war-coloured Jawa 175 was an ugly, unreliable pig that nevertheless survived my ignorance, extreme poverty, lack of care, and others' cruel jeers and disdain, as well as my unrestrained coveting of those gleaming twins with real brakes. As time went by, Honda's CB750, the Yamaha XS650 and the extraordinary Kawasaki Z1900 became the bikes which offered serious competition to the cool title. Until then, owned exclusively by the likes of Norton and Triumph. But in the midst of this, there came a bike that gathered up all of that 70s cool and, at the turn of the 80s, arrived with a roar. The Japanese brains engaged German BMW designer Hans Mirth and friends, and he delivered the Suzuki Katana. That Katana, with its square headlight, hunched shoulders and aggressive looks, and the infamous Samurai Sword logo, took off, albeit to critical acclaim. Suzuki said it was the fastest mass-production motorcycle in the world. It became a legend. During that time, Suzuki had a significant market share in New Zealand, around 42% according to research, and certainly it was the bike that most young riders I knew had on their wish list. Yes, it was seriously cool. Graham Crosby raced one, even my brother-in-law had one, so today, the new 2019 version of the Katana has a lot of history behind it. Does it match up to the legend of its name? My first glimpse of the new 999cc inline 4 as it came off the delivery trailer was one of recognition. There was that same familiar hump on the tank, the square headlight, the Suzuki name in red in a downward slopey font, and the same samurai sword logo. It was recognisably katana, but certainly modern looking too. Exciting. The rear end particularly appealed. A solid clean seat separated an uncluttered tail above a business-like 190mm Dunlop Sportmax Road Sport 2. Naked, sporty street style, but with enough fearing to give a Street Fighter superbike look. The 825mm seat height was immediately comfortable, and the riding position fitted my frame perfectly. I felt thrust forward into the upright bars, pitched into a focused but not uncomfortable riding position. The only negative I could see was the bulky plastic number plate hanger, which personally, I'd investigate changing. The engine fired up with a fast metabolic rate of the familiar free revving 4, based on the reworked 2005 GSX-R1000 engine. This one puts out 148 bhp and weighs around 215 kgs, so the power to weight ratio is very respectable. It's light enough that manoeuvring it around in car parks and alleyways gave no imbalance issues. Taking to the streets, it was easy and familiar immediately. It felt strong, and there's plenty in reserve, with enough torque for everyday commuting in a calm and orderly manner. Given a sterner hand, it responds very nicely indeed, and then the comparisons start. Recent bikes in this class that I'm able to compare with are the Triumph Speed Triple 1050, Aprilia RSV4 and Yamaha MT10, all with perhaps a fraction more fire and sting, not to say personality when given a whipping. It has been said that others have found the dual throttle system a little snatchy below 50km an hour, but I didn't find that at all. Quite the reverse, I liked its response around town and found lane splitting and traffic trickling easy and smooth. However, once given a handful and moving rapidly, I found the throttle a little sharp over 5,000 revs. 
I thoroughly appreciated the grip of the Dunlop Sport Max Road Sport tyres. The 120-70-17 in front tracked well over corrugations and very uneven road strips. And I think the 43mm inverted shocks used a lot of their alleged travel doing so without deviation. At the rear, the 190-50-17 tyre looks big, but again, it's totally confidence-inspiring in the corners. Under hard braking, the grip and hold of the bike was excellent. On several occasions, I set off for a short trip, but ended up heading off for a few more Ks, just to put a bit more time on the clock. It's a friendly, powerful motorcycle, but, and it's a little but, maybe for the rebirth of an icon, it's just a trifle too polite. Of course it may be that given a dry day and a lot more attitude from the rider, I could have scared up some thrills, but generally it felt like it was getting good pass marks rather than upping the game itself. Is that enough? Maybe. I mean hell, bikes are generally very good these days, so I may be nitpicking, but in riding, it was a solid 10. Yes, but it wasn't a Spinal Tap 11. The original Katana, I believe, was. To the front, the TFT screen dashboard is black and white and offers the usual readouts for speedo, taco, odometer, trip meters, gear position indicator, fuel range, average fuel consumption, immediate fuel use, clock and traction control in three setting levels, plus off. In light of recent litre bikes delivery, a lack of a colour TFT was noticeable. Plus the layout is a little cluttered and unclear to the eye when riding, so that could do with a second look in my opinion. A slipper clutch makes downshifting smooth and easy, and in, the, and in wet conditions that I experienced every day while aboard, made cornering and changes deft and sweet. Top speed is said to be around 235km an hour, and stopping is aided by twin 310mm discs with four piston radial monoblock calipers up front. The wheels are cast aluminium with six spokes. Cornering is a delightful experience, even considering the wetness and the usual debris of stormy weather on Auckland's winter roads. The stylish tank holds 12 litres of fuel, and that's enough to enjoy a couple of hundred kilometres before fueling stops. Well, the verdict. Talking of stylish, it's a word that comes to mind again and again when looking at the new Katana. It has presence, it has heft and weight. The designers have paid excellent tribute to the old, but without slavish addiction to retro. I really loved that I could so easily see the original like a ghost of Christmas past hovering nearby, and yet also enjoy the new and strikingly attractive appearance from all sorts of angles. Should you own it? If you're an aficionado of the old Katana, or maybe even owned one, then yes, in a heartbeat you'll get all the modern riding aids, a better engine and delivery, vastly better brakes and weight, and it goes like a demon. All that, looks that are just pure fun, and under 19 grand retail, what's not to love? So there you go, Peter Elliott's thoughts on the 2019 Suzuki Katana. You can read that story, you can catch all the specs and all the photos in the September 2019 edition of Kiwi Rider magazine. Go to Google, search Kiwi Rider Jumag, J-O-O-M-A-G, or go to kiwirider.co.nz and it's all up there. Well that pretty much rounds off everything we've got to talk about in this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I hope uh, Level 3 hasn't got you too far. 
far down the dumps. Uh, I can't remember when we find out when we're going out of level 3 or into level 2 or if in fact we're going up to level 4 or whatever level we're on but I hope that it's not going to be too long until you can get out on your bike enjoying some fresh air and uh, carving up a, uh, a, a canyon road or maybe going adventure or maybe getting the dirt bike on uh, a trail or a motocross track whatever it is that you do to relax and enjoy your motorcycle so thank you very much for listening hit that like and subscribe button feel free to leave a comment on whatever player you're listening to us on now you can get hold of us on the email you can email podcast at kiwirider.co.nz we're on instagram and facebook as well at kiwirider podcast and we'd absolutely love to hear from you with anything you've got to say we've also got a brand new kiwirider magazine coming out very very shortly so when you do get a chance kiwirider.co.nz you'll be prompted with a subscribe box even if you've already subscribed Uh, so if you've already subscribed hit the x if you haven't subscribed do subscribe because then it will get sent straight to your inbox we're not going to drown you with other spam and crap we're not going to send you emails we're literally just going to send you two emails a month and each one of those is going to be a magazine absolutely free for you to read direct to your inbox so make sure you've subscribed to that subscribe to this podcast as well uh, and enjoy Kiwi Rider magazine when it does come out uh, very very soon I've been Ray this is Kiwi Rider podcast thank you very much for listening once again keep the rubber side down throttle on and we'll catch you in seven days time we